1: we are focusing on a portion of Christ's Sermon on the Mount concerning that rarely discussed topic of fasting. In this passage, Jesus continues to warn us, as he did in verse 1, to beware of practicing our righteousness before men. In other words, fasting, like giving and prayer, is only acceptable when God alone is honored. This message also answers the question of what does or does not constitute true biblical fasting. If you're not operating a motor vehicle or other dangerous machinery, feel free to open your Bible and follow along in Matthew chapter 6 verses 16 through 18. Here is today's slice of Pastor Jim's message entitled Traveling in the Fast Lane.
0: There's only one fast per year ever prescribed by God and it was on the day of atonement. Now since the day of atonement is a thing of the past, we don't have that day once a year. We have the once for all sacrifice of Jesus that has superseded the day of atonement. Therefore, for us, no fasting is commanded in scripture. No fasting is specifically required in scripture. You know, as a matter of fact, Jesus and His disciples did not routinely fast, and that was a contrast between them and the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist, and that was brought up to Jesus as one of those pointed questions to try to get Him in trouble. It's in Matthew 9, 14 and 15. Then the disciples of John came to Him asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Notice, even there, he didn't command fasting. He implied that after his return to the Father, when the bridegroom isn't present with us anymore, that there would be times that we might want to fast. It's left to us to decide when that is. Now, I should point out to you, there is even an argument that it can be made. I'm not so sure that I would agree with it. But remember, Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send you another comforter a comforter of exactly the same kind who is the Holy Spirit. So some argue that, yes, the bridegroom is gone. Jesus has gone back to the Father, but he sent us another comforter. So it's, you know, we have the presence of Christ with us because we have the, the Holy Spirit uh, with us. And therefore, again, that removes the motivation to fast. Well, you can still fast if you want to. That's, that's what we're saying. Now, it was in the historical context of People who fasted for various reasons and in various ways, frequently thinking that their practice of fasting gained them better standing with God. That was the context in which Jesus confronts the subject of fasting. It's a very simple passage. It's only three verses long. And I want to point out to you, This is not Jesus' handbook on how to fast. That's not his point. His point is the people who were putting the wrong, uh, applying the wrong meaning to fasting. I got up this morning and was working through all of this and praying for you as I always do, and I thought, how ironic that We arrived at this passage on fasting today, the high holy day of American folk religion. Super Bowl Sunday always sets records for food consumption. (laughs) What better time to talk about fasting? And there's no real connection there. All right, real simple passage, three verses. Verse 16, how not to fast. Verse 17, how to fast. And verse... 18, why to fast? So, let's jump in at verse 16. Jesus says, Whenever you fast, do not, so that's why I say this is how not to fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Frequently, the Pharisees and those who they led would, on a fasting day, and remember the boast, I do it twice a week. And when they would fast, many of them would wear old clothes and uh, not only maybe not do their normal facial hygiene, but some of them would even cover their face with dirt or ashes to show that they were fasting. It was an act designed To let other people see it and say, oh, how pious that person is. And Jesus' response, they have their reward in full. Now, if you're going to give up something in order to better serve God, the last thing you want to do is advertise it. Just do it between you and the Lord. If you say things or do things designed to attract attention to your own sacrifice, the only reward you will ever get on earth is if somebody notices. God is not impressed with phony piety. Remember how this chapter began? Chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness. Now, is practicing righteousness a good thing? yes. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And then right after that, what did Jesus do? Let me give you an illustration. When you give your alms, don't sound a trumpet. When you do your praying, do it as privately and inconspicuously as you can. And if you fast, don't do anything to attract attention to yourself. Um, when I was in college, most of the mud had dried from the flood that year. Um, it, was a, it was a long time ago, and I was blessed to um, uh, attend a, a, a small school that was part of a cluster of of schools, and we were actually allowed to uh, register for courses at the other schools a certain amount uh, per year. And I, I did that just once. Um, my roommate knew for sure he wanted to be a, a teacher, and I was thinking, I just might. And so we saw this class come up on uh, the philosophy of education. So we, we signed up. It was taught by a visiting professor. I didn't know that when I signed up for the class who this person was. The visiting professor happened to be a, a Roman Catholic priest. And uh, even in those days, he would not have been regarded as a particularly conservative one. He was a full-time professor at a, at a Catholic university. Uh, not, fair, not far from there, he, he, he wore the costume all the time in, in the class. I honestly don't remember very much about the class. If I were to rank all of the courses I took in college, this would have been in my bottom three of uh, most favorite, most impactful ones. But I do remember two very vivid things about the man at that time. I was a very young believer in Christ. I did not know uh, the, the world of, of uh, uh, all the different things that fall under the label of Christianity. I did not know very much at all. About um, about Roman Catholicism, so this guy was my kind of my first exposure. I'd never met a priest in person until that time, but the two things that I remember specifically about him was, first, he mentioned at least twice every single week that he had taken a vow of poverty. Now, what's the relevance to? teaching a philosophy of education about that. It was specifically to remind us that he had taken a vow of poverty. The other thing that impressed me, not impressed me, made an impression on me, was that he was a classic chain smoker. And in those days, classrooms were not no smoking zones in college. He smoked literally nonstop, through every single class. He was one of those who would light one cigarette with the end of the one before it. Now, is that an indictment of Roman Catholicism? No. I'm not saying that he was typical of all priests. Now I know a whole lot more about Roman Catholicism. I probably wouldn't have taken that class had I done some more research. But I can say for sure that His behavior and his speech revealed two things beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I saw them even in my spiritual infancy. infancy. He was more addicted to a chemical substance than he was to God, and as far as his financial sacrifices, truly I can say to you, he has his reward in full. By the way, what is the retirement program for people who take a vow of poverty? I'd never thought of that before until just this moment, so maybe that needs to be expunged because I don't know where that thought would go. You understand, the whole thing is about motivation. Remember when we studied those earlier verses, I said, it isn't a sin if someone finds out about your giving or your giving to the poor. It isn't a sin if someone catches you praying um, the sin is in trying to make sure that they find out. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.